fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. How you're going to ask me. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. It is the thirty-something movie podcast. Uh, we are we are in LA this time. Uh, these are our this uh, continuing on our California Dreams month that we've got here, and uh, I, I think we've talked before. We've had movies on this podcast before that are very LA centric, and you see like some of the same locations, you know, Repo Man, and and some of those movies that are very. We've said before, it's like a it's like a love letter to Los Angeles, and uh, this one in particular. I mean, it's it's even called L.A. Story, so mm-hmm. you, you can't get much more L.A. than this one. But uh, but that's that's coming up here a little bit later. Before we dive into all that, I have two fine, upstanding uh, L.A. celebrities themselves. Pat, don't make Hi. a weird don't make a weird face. I wonder who the guest uh, guest hosts are. On the guest show. Me too. This Steve, is a surprise. Steve Martin is here tonight. No. <laughs> I have with me two wild and crazy guys. <laughs> uh, I know who those guys are. We, <laughs> we know those guys. We are here for the swinging. All right. Uh, so I have with me uh, Bo Warmbold. Bo, are, are you feeling wild and crazy? I'm here to pump you up. There we go. There we go. Pat, are you feeling wild that. and crazy? Uh, yes, I am, John. I'm feeling wild and crazy. You're kind you're of like, I, you look like it's Christmas time. You're all wrapped up in a blanket. I and- do. Well, you see, we're kind of, it, it is, I, I did notice that. It, it it looks rather like I'm wearing a robe. I uh, No, it's, um, it's getting warm enough that we're turning the heat off, but then at night, you know, it gets cold. Mm-hmm. Then I sit still, I get cold. And that's okay, but when I get cold, I tend to fall asleep, and I'm trying to stay awake for these podcasts. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> you do. I mean, you, you do kind of look like you're wearing a robe. You're going with like the Hugh Hefner look here. I I got that going on. I need a mm-hmm. like you know. That's for the next movie. Ah, yes. There it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. It does kind of look like a robe. This is. Welcome to the Thirty Something Podcast After Dark. <laughs> Red Shoe Podcasting. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, before we get into our movie, very, very quickly, spoiler alert, we spoil freely, so be warned. Uh, The 30-something movie podcast is part of the Scene Stealers podcast network. This episode is sponsored by Scene Stealers International Convention Agent, who have a top-class roster of movie and TV stars ready to be booked now for your Comic-Con or event. For more information, check out www.scenestealersglobal.com. And then visit our website, 30podcast.com. That's 30podcast.com. You can leave a rating. You can leave a voicemail. You can become a co-executive producer via Patreon. Uh, What would you get, gentlemen? I'm going to put you on the spot here. What would you get if you became a co-executive producer on Patreon? A guest spot on an episode? You could. That is one of the tiers. You could get a guest spot on an episode. 
You get to su- you get to suggest or select a movie. You can suggest review. or select. Yes, absolutely. What do you get at, at any level of support? What would the, what would the people get? You got to give the people what they want. Uh, well, by happenstance, I usually insult their favorite movie, but I don't know if that's something that we want to. If that's an, I don't know if that's a plus or a negative. That's a byproduct. Okay, that's yeah. a byproduct. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, tell you about a byproduct. It's, I, it's well, not a hug. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a hug from Pat. No. Well, and you I mean, know, we're, we're still coming out of the pandemic, so I don't know how much. That's true. That's I, true. Can we hand out hugs on the right. podcast? We right. have to start handing out elbow bumps. There we go. There we go. Well, at any level of support, you would have access to some of our exclusive um, Patreon only podcasts that we have out there. And uh, we have one that... Um, let me take a look at it really, really fast here. That should be coming out. Uh, oh, you know what? Actually, it, uh, by the time we would have recorded this, it came out a few days ago. So we have the Raiders of the Lost Ark episode came out just a few days ago. So that was... Hours of entertainment. It, hours literally of hours entertainment. of entertainment. That was one yes. that was like probably like a three and a half to four hour extravaganza. It, it was longer than the movie. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, there's some good stuff out there. Longer than the Spears and Braveheart. Yes. Yes. Hold. Mm-hmm. Hold. That's right. So, yeah. No, no. Plenty of good stuff. So, we, Raiders of the Lost Ark was the most recent one. Uh, we did our favorite songs of 90 and 91 before that. Uh, we had Willy Wonka from 1971 before that. We had Clash mm-hmm. of the Titans before that. We have all, all kinds of good ones. So, there's at least, um, I want to say six or seven that are out there for Patreon subscribers. So, if you hop on there and support us at any level on Patreon, you get access to those. So, if that's something that you are interested in doing, then hep on, hop on over. Hep on over. I don't know what hepping is. Maybe hep, like hef, because of the robe looking. I was thinking thing. of the robe. It's the robe is distracting me. So, it's. I, it happens, man. It's okay. It happens. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> you just you just need like a pipe or a cigar or something. I was going to say, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. So you can, you can hop on over to our website. You can hop there instead of hepping there. I don't, if you want to hep, go for it. Um, I was going to say, hopping, hepping, as long as you go, fine. As long as you go, that's fine. <laughs> just go check it out. Um, all right. So I think that's pretty much, uh, that's pretty much what we got for right now. So we can just jump on into the movie here. I think it's time. Let's do it. So this one is called L.A. Story. Came out on the 8th of February, 1991, rated PG, with a runtime of one hour and 35 minutes. It was directed by Mick Jackson, who also directed The Bodyguard and Temple Grandin. Producers on this one were Daniel Melnick, who died in 2009, and Michael Rockmule. Uh, Melnick did Altered States and Footloose. Rockmule did Roxanne and Flatliners. Uh, Pat, how many times have you seen Flatliners? Uh, just the once, John. Just the once. I'm a, but I'm. But I'm. Uh, next time, I'm going to try and watch it three times in one night. I bet I could watch it six times, Pat. I'm going to go for nine. Pat, I bet I could watch it while unconscious twelve times. I think I win. I thought it was a comedy for the first time when I saw it. I, that's still one of my favorite things. I I thought it was. I got about a half hour into mm-hmm. it. And I thought I'm not seeing the humor here, guys. I don't know. It's one of those that I feel like I need to go if if I've got like, you know, a, an extra 20 minutes sitting around where I can just, you know, have some fun with something. I feel like this is one of those where I need to take the trailer and I need to change shift up the music and change a voiceover. Have you seen that when they do um, The Shining <laughs> and they turn The Shining, they make it look like it's a family film? 
Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like I should do that just for you so that we make Flatliners look like a comedy. You, I, it That can happen, man. Mm-hmm. You know? When a team of doctors wants to see what they can do with the afterlife, they get into all kinds of trouble. It's Flatliners. <laughs> That's awesome. I think it'd be perfect. I'm, I'm going to do that sometime just for you. I think, I think it should be done. Oh, yes. It will be done. It will be done. It will be done. Uh, writer on this one was Steve Martin, who also wrote The Jerk and Roxanne. Cinematography done by Andrew Dunn, who did Flora and Ulysses and The Bodyguard. Music was done by Peter Melnick, who did Roxanne and Arctic Blue. Uh, could not find a budget for this one, but the box office was $28.9 million. Flick Metrics gives it a 70%, and there was no score for cinema score on this one. So the interesting thing, and I, I almost think that that might be because this movie is so Los Angeles that it probably wouldn't have played well in other places. The $28.9 million is both worldwide and domestic. Um, so I'm not sure this ever got released anywhere else because huh. didn't sound like it. Certainly would see a reason for them not to, for sure. Right. Right. All right. Well, this one stars Steve Martin as Harris K. Telemacher. He was in The Jerk and Three Amigos. Victoria Tennant, who, who he was married to at the time when they made this movie, uh, played Sarah McDowell. She was in Flowers in the Attic and The Handmaid's Tale, not the current season that is not the current show that's on now but older one uh richard e grant played roland mackey he was in gosford park and hudson hawk mary lou henner played trudy she was in johnny dangerously and the tv series taxi sarah jessica parker played sandy that's capital s uh, little a little n capital d little e big e and a little star at the end of it uh she was in sex in the city and flight of the navigator Susan Forrestal played Ariel. She was in Regarding Henry and Primary Colors. Kevin Pollack played Frank Swan. He was in The Usual Suspects and A Few Good Men. Sam McMurray played Morris Frost. He was in Raising Arizona and Adam's Family Values. Patrick Stewart played Mr. Perdue, the maitre d' at L'Adio. He was in Star Trek The Next Generation and the X-Men movies. Uh, You cannot have the duck. (laughs) Francis Fisher played... Um, for me la bouche yep there you go for me la bouche fetch la vache <laughs> number one fetch la vache yes there we go all kinds of crossovers uh, Francis Fisher played June who was in Titanic and Unforgiven Iman played Cynthia she was in No Way Out and Star Trek 6 Tommy Hinckley played Ted he was in the TV series Mad About You and Leatherheads Larry Miller played Tom he was in Pretty Woman and Necessary Roughness Rick Moranis played The Gravedigger he was in Ghostbusters and Honey I Shrunk the Kids and there's a whole bunch that I did not mention here um, John Lithgow was in a scene that got deleted from the theatrical release but got put back in when they aired this on TV. Um, Chevy Chase was one of the customers at the restaurant that they wouldn't let him in. Um, I think there were a bunch of... Uh, Woody Harrelson was mm. the was the guy in charge of the uh, news studio. Bunch of different... Cleese plays the mother's voice. Was it Cleese or was it... Um, uh, I'm sure I read it with Cleese. Okay. No, okay. I thought it was... Uh, I thought it might have been Terry Jones, but maybe not. I thought it was okay, might have been please. Confirm. Okay, all right. Uh, Harris K. Telemacher, played by Steve Martin, has the easiest job in the world. He's a TV weatherman in Los Angeles, where the weather is so predictable. He tapes his forecast days in advance. 
bored with his job, his life, and his relationship with his longtime girlfriend, Trudy, Harris begins to receive secret messages from an electronic freeway sign near his home, which lead him to pursue romance with a British journalist and a vapid young model. Uh, rather than do an interview with me, which would be fascinating, by the way, I thought that possibly I'd take you on a, you know, kind of a cultural tour of L.A. Look how he's painted the blouse, sort of translucent. You can just make out her breast underneath it. You know, when I see a painting like this, I must admit, I get a little emotionally erect. Bon appétit. Yeah, I'm done already, and I don't remember reading. What's his girlfriend's name? Sheila. 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 She's the one who's always kissing everyone hello. I hate that. I'm not kissing anyone hello anymore. How was I in the meeting? You were good. Any advice? Sure. Skipping. Skipping is the perfect compromise between running and walking. It looks too desperate if you run to a meeting. Yes, yes, she's going away with him. Go, go away with me. I can't, don't you see? I would just be using you to get even with her for going away with someone else. I don't mind. Let's go. Great. Woo! Steve Martin. Did you know that the same technology used to clean up the Alaskan oil spill can also suck fat from your thighs and chin? L.A. Story. I'll have a decaf coffee. I'll have a decaf espresso. I'll have a double decaf cappuccino. Jimmy, decaffeinated coffee ice cream. I'll have a half double decaffeinated half cap with a twist of lemon. I'll have a twist of lemon. I'll have a twist of lemon. Yeah, I'll have a twist of lemon. I'll have a twist of lemon. I'll have a twist of lemon. All right. So one of the funny things about that last little bit when they're around the table and they're going around ordering their, you know, half decaf, whatever coffees is uh, they go around. And I don't know if you noticed, everyone orders some kind of a coffee drink and then they all go around and ask for a twist of lemon. And uh, Iman, the uh, supermodel, only orders a twist of lemon. Only a twist of lemon. Yeah. <laughs> and as why I ever doubt you, I do not know. Of course, it was Terry Jones. Was it Terry Jones? Place. Okay. Okay. Why, why do I even have a check in? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, Bo, I'm not sure if I'm proud of that. Proud or not? Right, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let me. Am I recording? I want to play that back sometime so that I can play it for other people. Yeah, well. Mm -hmm. yeah. John is always right. Yeah, well. <laughs> You've been John Splained. Okay, here we go. All right. Well, uh, so L.A. story, L.A. story. Uh, we are all living near Chicago. So uh, L.A. maybe doesn't have quite as much meaning for us as it does for Steve Martin and, and some of the other people in this movie. But um, one of the interesting things I read about this movie before we dive into it is that the director himself um, is British. And he really did not like he didn't have good opinions of Los Angeles. And when he originally I think when he originally read the script of this, he almost thought that it was kind of like a a hate letter to Los Angeles, like all the things that were wrong with it. And then when he like read it and he talked with Steve Martin, he really found out that it was more of a no, no, no. I love Los Angeles. Like these are all the quirky things that if you're from L.A., you'll know what this is. Like this is, we're, we're pointing out all the stuff that is just so crazy, but we love it. And it's what's quintessentially Los Angeles. And so that's kind of when he decided, you know, after having a chance to kind of talk it through a little bit, um, I think that's when he decided to then make the movie. So some of those scenes where, um, where the, uh, the 
British journalist, um, blanking on her name, Sarah, uh, when she is talking about, you know, being in town from, from out of the country and she doesn't quite understand some of the LA stuff and she doesn't think LA has any culture to it or anything like that. That was actually, some of that was coming out of the director himself who didn't have, you know, necessarily good vibes, let's say uh, about Los Mm -hmm. Angeles before kind of really getting at the heart of what Steve Martin's story was all about. Yeah. Um, so I, I say all that to say, let's, let's, let's jump into our typical first question here. Um, how does this movie make you feel? And is this the first time you've seen this one? I'm amused. And yes, this is the first time I had seen it. I'll, I'll say content. And yes. Oh, very nice. I will say, I will say educated. And this is the first time I think I've seen it from beginning to end. When I first started watching it, I was like, hmm, I don't remember that part. I don't remember this part. But then there were a few other scenes throughout the movie. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that part. So it took me a little bit. And I think I've seen most of it before, but I don't think I've seen the entire movie from beginning to end. And I will say educated just because it's kind of fun, you know, even if you're not from like the first time I saw Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I had never been to Chicago, but I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, I, I know who the Cubs are. I have no idea what this building is. I have no idea what this parade is. Like, I don't know any of this, these locations they're going to. Um, fun movie, though. And so this one for me is kind of the same way. Like I, as a kid, I don't know. I, I had this fascination with Los Angeles as a kid. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was. Like I knew that Hollywood was there and that's where they made movies. But I remember as a, I want to say from age eight, I kept telling my parents, I'm like, Hey, um, when I turn 10, that's like a really big birthday. When I turn 10, all I want for my birthday is I want to go to Los Angeles. And they were like, we're not going to Los Angeles. (laughs) But but that's all I, that's like, that's all I want. All I want for my birthday is go to Los Angeles. And now I don't know that Los Angeles would be the first place I would choose if I, you know, were picking a vacation to go on. But at the time, I just, I was fascinated by it. I don't know why. Have you guys ever been to LA? No. Okay. No. Even when we lived out and we lived in Sacramento for about three months, uh, right after we moved back from England and never, we went to San Francisco. Um, you know, we went to Tahoe. Um, yeah, but other than that, we never did make it to Los Angeles. Huh. All right. So have you been there? I have. I've been oh. there twice, um, both for like like an extended kind of a, about a week or so, just for different reasons. Um, and uh, yeah, got to see different parts of L.A., restaurants and beaches, surf, more restaurants, and just driving around. Yeah. Is it pretty yeah. much the way it is in the movie? Uh, well, I was, I was not quite in the same kind of social circles and all that kind of thing. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean like this, as I recall, like the sites, it looks the same. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, it, it's sort of like the same feel that you'd get. Oh, wow. They're filming in Chicago. That looks like Chicago, you know, so that, that seemed to, uh, line up the weather, you know, when they said 72 and sunny, that that's kind of how it felt, you know? Uh, whenever we were going, but, uh, the, the times I was out there, um, 
Yeah. I mean, I was just in like a different spot. So like a lot of the restaurants that we hit and a lot of the places that we hit, it was like in a different area around LA and LA. If I, if I have this right, LA is a lot more spread out than like a New York or a Chicago. And I know the size is a little different. So like you might be driving further, um, you know, you might be driving a lot further or a lot longer to get from one part of LA to the other. Um, so yeah, but I mean, they didn't quite go into it in this, uh, in this thing, but yeah, driving in LA was exciting. Um, and I think it's always, there's always like the one road that everybody knows, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. the 405, I think every, I think all directions started or ended with the 405 or so, like I said, I wasn't out there for, for very long, but long enough to kind of, you know, scope the scene and see different parts of the city. And, um, it's funny cause a lot of these LA movies I had not seen otherwise, you know, like I, I, you know, what I probably do this time is I'd probably just see a bunch of the movies and then go and kind of hit the spots where a lot of the filming took place, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Big Lebowski, Pulp Fiction, Heat, this thing, you know, I mean, <clears throat> that would be fun. Yeah. So anyways, I digress. So did you get to, Bo, have you ever been to Los Angeles? No. No. I have not. Did you get this? I mean, one of the things, one of the kind of criticisms, they poke fun at the city a little bit in this. And, and maybe, maybe like you said, it's more of being in like the actor comedian circles that you know, Steve Martin and some of his buddies that were in this movie would have been in. But, um, you know, one of the criticisms is like, there's no culture in Los Angeles that everything is superficial. Now I feel like you go to, you know, you go to a place, you go to a place like Chicago and there's culture. Like you, you, you know, there's culture right away. Um, I've been to other cities, you know, around the world and around the country and, and they each seem to have their culture. Did you, so Pat, as the only person who's ever been to Los Angeles out of this group, did you get the sense from being in LA that it was just very, things are very just superficial and there's no particular culture there? I, I would, I would disagree with that. Like, okay. I, I think that's, I mean, I, I, well, here's here. I'm, I'm gonna get deep, right? Yeah. I think that would either be people that, you know, you, you want to try and say, oh, people from Chicago are this way. People from Boston are this way. You know, like people that just want to kind of make a big, broad generalization. One, two, I think that, um, I think there very much is culture there. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you know, and, and people might laugh when, when I say this, but I mean, we, you know, for, for, hangout time when we were out there, we hit the beaches and went surfing. And I'm just, I'm I'm not very good at surfing. I'm not, I'm trying trying to say I'm a surfer, but at some point, you know, if I ever head to the coast, like I'm like, I mean, you guys know this. I mean, during when the summer hits, I'm like all about lakes, water skiing and all that. So if I ever move to the coast, um, yeah, I'm going to like take up surfing because it's pretty awesome. But I mean, there's a, there's a bit of pretty unique culture right there when you're hanging out with the surf with the surf folks. And it's Mm -hmm. not like I was hanging with them, but you go out and you like, you realize you're, you're kind of strangers in a strange land. And it's like, okay, I got to kind of fit in here. My buddy that happened into the middle of a surf competition accidentally got in a little bit of trouble, you know, but uh, I mean, it was like, that was a, that was a, I would say is like a part of culture. Do you know what I'm saying? It's Mm -hmm. like something you don't see. And it was unique to that spot. Now, if you're talking about, 
music and and uh, art and all that. I mean, yeah, they've got museums and symphonies and um, a music scene there that's, you know, rich and thriving and all that kind of thing. And, um, you know, I mean, they've got a ton of restaurants there and some of them are kind of the general fast food thing. Some of them are very unique to that spot. Do you guys get what I'm saying with it? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I kind of would, I would kind of shy away from that whole, Oh, everyone's just superficial and mm-hmm. this, that, and the other thing. Um, because I, well, one, I just, I just don't like to generalize like that. It's got its mm-hmm. own unique culture, everything from the surfers to, you know, the different restaurants that you only find out there. Um, and I'm going to say like, you know, the two times I was out there, one was part of a jazz convention. So, I mean, it was basically a week straight of just listening to music and going, you know, to all that kind of thing. And then the second time was when I was still pretty actively studying the martial arts. I went out and like stayed at our world headquarters for uh, a week. And so, I mean, I was very much surrounded by a lot of Korean culture going into K-Town for uh, food and all that kind of thing. So, you know, and then I was, and I, you know, kind of got to meet a whole different group of people that, you know, lived out there and everything like that. So I don't mean it to make it the lecture, but no, I, I, I think, you know, I think I personally would be careful about overgeneralizing that it's superficial and all that kind of thing. Cause I'm sure there's superficial people out there, but you know, there, I think there was a lot of just, you know, good people out there and a lot of culture and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. people that lived out there, I know would say, especially coming from the Midwest. Um, Cause I went, well, see, and that's the other thing I went to school up in Eau Claire. And so there were people that were kind of like small city, small town, type folks when we would go out there for the jazz convention. So I came from outside of Chicago. So, I mean, that's like a different kind of perspective than people that were, you know, coming from a small town and then going to LA too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I know some folks that would talk about like, ah, there's some differences, you know, you notice that people like this are this way, but when you're out here, it's a little bit different, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. Did that make sense? Were my thoughts you know, clear and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. So this movie, I think, I think in, in part, um, you know, Steve Martin, I think has said about this movie that this is, this is one of the movies that he really enjoyed writing because it was, it was so very much about, you know, his city and his friends and just kind of the, the life that kind of a little bit of criticism of, the late eighties, early nineties, you know, crazes that were going on, I guess for lack of a better term in Los Angeles. I mean, you've got everybody's at the, at the restaurants and they're all ordering their like crazy coffee drinks. And, um, you know, you've got the restaurants that take like two months and your financial statement to be able to get into, um, the, uh, the high colonics, the, like all this other stuff that, <laughs> you know, Doesn't it just clear your head. <laughs> Yeah. I think they're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the, and they went to the hard rock cafe too, right? Yeah. Now that's, didn't that start out in LA? Was that an LA thing? And then it stretched or am I way off on that? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. But I mean, that's, that's right anyway. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things about this movie in particular. I mean, it just, 
like so many other movies that really use a place as part of the story and, and almost like a character in the story itself. Like there were so many different, you know, iconic Los Angeles. If you, if you were from there or, um, you know, if you, if you live there any stretch of time, you probably would know most of these different locations. Um, you know, they have, and there were some, some fairly famous homes that they're around. Uh, I guess the freeway sign, that was there was a, uh, you know, people would stop and uh, either try and like reenact part of the movie there. They'd like take mm-hmm. pictures next to it or whatnot. Um, I, I'm not sure it's there anymore. Um, I think I saw a picture somewhere that like that it used to be there, but it's not there anymore. Um, you know, some of the different like famous hotels and restaurants and uh, the uh, Los Angeles County Museum of Art, the Hard Rock Cafe, um, that one, uh, you know, that one um, kind of aqueduct area that everybody seems to drive through in a yeah, Los Angeles yes. movie. <laughs> Every chase scene, mm-hmm. right? Well, when you got something that's that perfect, you oh, I know. have to yeah. do it. I'm, I'm trying to think of all the different, okay, so they, they hit it in Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. They hit it in uh, um, Gone in 60 Seconds. Is it... Uh, Use it in at least one of the... Fast and Furious movies. Oh yeah, they. I'm sure that yeah. It was in Greece. Not, it was in Greece. Was in Greece. Mm-hmm. What about uh, the Italian Job? Did they use that in the Italian Job or no? Was it? It might have been a different city for the Italian Job. Well, let's see. Here, we, I, I can tell you here. Actually, I've got a list, and I don't think this is exhaustive. But uh, the L.A. River Aqueduct. They show Greece, the core Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Them, Terminator 2, The Italian Job, okay. uh, Drive, Point Blank, for, Point Blank from 1967, Blue Thunder from 83, Thunder, uh, SWAT, Gone in 60 Seconds, Point Break. Oh, Point Break. That's the other one I was thinking of. Volcano, Repo Man. Yeah. Yeah, no, just, I mean, there have been so many movies that we've done just on this podcast alone that yeah. feature the the L.A. River Aqueduct. Yeah. I feel like if I ever go to L.A., I'm just going to have to drive on it. Yeah. Just just to say I have. Yeah. Yeah. You got to. Yeah. You got to. Yeah. Um, so let me uh, let me ask you this about this movie. You know, Steve Martin, he. He, I think he was quoted at one point as saying that this was one of his last truly, what did he call him? His mature movies. Um, mm-hmm. And so he feels like, like this may be the end of his mature movies. And then he kind of went back into, into a bunch of different comedies. Um, so let me ask you this. He wrote this as kind of a, a critique, but also somewhat of a love hate letter to the city of Los Angeles and, and all that goes along with that. Um, did you feel like this movie was thought provoking? You know, you can watch a Steve Martin movie. You can watch a comedy movie and be like, ah, that's funny. I didn't think any much more beyond, you know, the times that I laughed in any way. Was this movie thought provoking? Did it cause you to think beyond the laughs? We'll ask it that way. I, I think so. I, I, I think so. I think I was thinking. Um, and I, I, it's funny you mentioned that because, 
Yeah, because I, what I wanted to go route is like, okay, is there a message here? And then it was like, okay, I guess there's a little bit of a message. Like you said, just a little, you know, there's a critique in there. But that's what I was always doing. I was always kind of analyzing the scenes just to kind of see, you know, like, oh, well, why are they acting this way? Or, oh, man, he's totally acting this way to manipulate this person. Or, you know, I mean, it was there was always a subtext to everything going on. So I think it now if it I can't say that I walked away with like huge lessons for life. Um, But I think it did. The story drew you in enough that it, you know, you were actively engaged in it and you were trying to figure out what the, uh, the subtext was that was being presented to you. It's a really good way to put it. Definitely they fed you enough where you were trying to process what was happening. You were trying to process the, the feelings between these two people. You were processing the, what, what would it be like to just, what would it be like to be sitting across from a younger woman saying, yeah, that's my boyfriend right over there. But knowing you're out on a date with her, like there's enough happening that you sort of have to think. Honestly, in some cases you have to be paying attention and thinking even process the funny Mm -hmm. because some of these jokes are a little right above your head. If you're not really paying attention, like I want to see it again now because I feel like I missed a few things. And I'm sure I, I, I guarantee I did. Yeah. It's just, it's very dense. Yeah. And I, 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 yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, Bo. And I, John, I want to hear what, obviously we all do. The entire listening audience wants to hear what you have to say about it. And I'm just going to throw in real quick after watching a whole bunch of Steve Martin's movies and then seeing him live and then seeing him interviewed and, you know, a bunch of interviews and, and that writing and comedians and coffee getting cars or whatever it's called. Um, I am so floored and it's not like, Oh, I'm surprised, but I am just so impressed with how intellectual Steve Martin is and how just good and um, how good he is at what he does and how analytically is. That's what I'm trying to say is, you know, in terms of trying to like make people laugh and come up with comedy bits and, you know, what's funny and is this funny and I'm going to try this and I'm going to experiment, you know, and, and just, uh, just how much work he puts into his craft. So, you know, it's like, even when I'm watching a comedy, like now my brain is on all cylinders going, Oh my gosh, I'm just laughing. I'm, you know, but that's like, dude, that's not easy to do, you know, try to make someone laugh for 30 seconds. And it's, that's, you know, maybe you can get a five second joke out of something. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so it's funny because I'm always thinking now about comedies. It's like, man, how good are these guys that I'm laughing at this? Like what, you know what I'm saying? You're, I'm always breaking it down now, you know? And it's, so anyways, I just wanted to throw that in there too. So watching this movie, I'm just like, I am so entertained right now. How are they doing that? Like, and how much time did he spend and how many, uh, rewrites did the script go through and like how hard was he working to get everything just right? Do you know, it's like in the back of my mind, like I'm, I'm trying to process that Were all the characters, you know, was it like when you're stir frying up, when you're, when you're sauteing up vegetables where you just put a little salt and pepper on them and let the natural flavors come out or was he putting, you know, I mean, it's, it's just like it, it, it Bo, you said it, the word you used was dense. I mean, there was so much in this, I, um, 
I guess I found myself actively thinking about it more than I more than I've realized because I was just like, wow, it is so put together and I want to figure out like how, you know. All right. That was the 35 and a half minute mark before we started talking about food. (laughs) (laughs) So are we are we slower or faster on this one now? I don't know. I haven't really actually been keeping track. I am hungry, though. Yeah. Well, you know, Um, no, I, I love all of the all the all the bits in this movie where it ties it to Shakespeare. And it just, oh. it, it does it in such funny ways, but it's, and that's one of the things that, that I've always really appreciated about somebody like a Steve Martin, exactly like you were saying that it's, it's a humor, but it's a very sophisticated kind of almost overly educated humor, but it's mm-hmm. done in such a way that it doesn't throw it in your face. It's more of a, I'm going to drop all these references here. And if you don't get them, that's fine. You know, if you do get them, though, it will be hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like you're not I'm, not I'm not going to make you feel like an idiot because you didn't get the references. I'm going to do it in such a way that if you don't know the references, it might still sound funny. But if you do get the references. Awesome. You know, even better yeah. for you. And that's something that that's something that, um, you know, I we've said several times, like with the kids, we're like, this is, we really, we'll, we'll point out to them like, well, we really like this show because it's this kind of humor. Like, sure. You can have, you know, fart jokes and all kinds of other stuff, but, and there's a time and a place for those. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but the, the flip side of that is this other kind of humor, like it, it takes, it takes some learning and it takes Mm -hmm. reading and it takes knowledge. And it's like, if you really want to be, if you really want to be funny, in this kind of way, like that takes, that takes work. Yeah. It takes work to do that. And it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not easy at all. So I love, I love how he brings in all the different Shakespeare stuff. I, <laughs> I like that, that one line. And, and that's kind of, um, that's part of the, the thought provoking piece for me as I was watching it. he brings in that one line. He's like sitting here at the moment, I thought of something else Shakespeare said, he said, Hey, Life is pretty stupid with lots of hubbub to keep you busy, but really not amounting to much. Uh, of course, I'm paraphrasing. Life is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, his other line, the line that I think kind of sums up what I what I really think the movie is about and what it's the thought that maybe he's trying to provoke is really kind of a midlife crisis in the midst of the L.A. culture. Um, you know, and, and the line from the movie was, let us just say I was deeply unhappy, but I didn't know it because I was so happy all the time. <laughs> yeah. When he had his whatever heart attack. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. I've had, I've had like 10 heart attacks. Right. I, yeah. so to me, that was stationary, stationary, stationary bike, bike park. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's yeah. right. Stationary bike park. No, no running. No running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the music choice too. Yeah. Oh, and I, what was that? What was that opening? What was that opening tune? It was like that old 1940s style swing, and it was mm. perfect the way they played it. And all the music was really in that. You know, if you ever you imagine like European outside cafe jazz, but European kind of flavor music that that's what that's what a lot of the soundtrack had. And Enya. And it had like lots of Enya. Yeah. A lot of Enya in it as well, which was perfectly 
It was, wasn't it? I, yeah. <laughs> I was sitting there at the end going. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, that's and, right. And, um, and what was this? There she was just yeah. walking down the street. I mean, I, I don't think since American Werewolf, uh, American Werewolf in London, I don't think a song had that much of a punch to me at the end of the, at the end of a movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if what I just said could even be construed as an English sentence. So I, sure. I, I'll try and say it again, but like that song had punch. It's an American it. sentence. Yeah. Okay. There, there you go. But um, what was that song? I, I I wanted to make mention of it, but it, it was. Um, well, let's see the soundtrack credits. Uh, okay. There is Epona by Enya, Exile by Enya, On Your Shore by Enya. By Enya. Uh, there is I've Had My Moments. Uh, let's see. I read, I read somewhere when I was looking at the soundtrack, they originally didn't release a soundtrack for this. They did not. Yeah. Uh, there's one called you drive me to distraction. There's wild thing. Yeah. I gotta uh, look this. Didn't ain't that a shame? No, no, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I might have to put myself on mute and listen to a couple of clips of it. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a topic. Discuss. See, Hang ain't, on a second. Ain't that a shame by Fats Domino, Smoke Rings, yeah. Amazing Grace, Clouds, and Symphony Number no. 5 by Beethoven. How about Amazing Grace just slipped in there? Yeah. I, I appreciated that the sign was playing the bagpipes. Yes. I always appreciate that. Always appreciate a good Scottish sign. Well, you know what they say. If it's not a Scottish, it's crap. <laughs> Get in my belly. <laughs> you look like a baby. It's a little while till we do that movie. You'll be 27 in four years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's I, to me, I think that's, you know, that maybe, and I don't want to, I don't want to minimize the movie by saying it's a, it's, purely about a midlife crisis. Um, but I mean, I think that's kind of the, the thrust of the movie is it really kind of is about a midlife crisis that he's, you know, he's, he's going through all this and he's like, yeah, I've been my, my comfortable LA life. And, you know, I, I was unmiserable. I was miserable because I was happy all the time. Um, and that's where he really starts to, you know, try to change things up a little bit, like making those little changes and stepping out of the, you know, the, the, un, the quote unquote, unculture of LA um, and doing things differently. Well, and it's an interesting conversation. Good spark an interesting conversation on what does it mean to be happy? Mm-hmm. You know, is it just being comfortable and being able to go about your business in a way that doesn't piss you off or is happy truly a state of happiness, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of ways to look at that. And I think for every person, you're going to get a different answer when you ask what is being happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're all a little guilty of, you know, how was your day? Fine. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? You know, and I think the movie tries to grapple with some of that. Yeah. Well, and everyone 
you know, when they were sitting at that table and there was that, that you know, when they were sitting at that table going around the, the thing with the, you know, the lemon, the, the coffees and everyone was ordering their coffees and then someone just got a twist of lemon. Then, oh, everyone needs to twist, you know, like that kind of thing. I just remember there were a lot of like the way they filmed it, like people would be talking and then they'd really focus because they'd be like looking at the other person, kind of like trying to like break them down. And what are you all about? And every, you know what I'm saying? Like no one was very chill. Everyone was trying to figure out what that other person's thing was, you know, until the one gal came in that was the journalist and everyone, and she didn't really seem to give a hoot about what anyone thought or on what side of the road to drive on um, until she made that one statement, you know, it, it was a little bit profane, but I, ca- I still don't know why everyone reacted so negatively to that, you know? Yeah. And then everyone's just like, Oh, and it was, then they had to kind of apologize for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Um, and, and they're apologizing. Yeah. yeah. That seemed to me a little. Are they apologizing? She's being not fake. Like, yeah. What's well, because they're real? Yeah. Right. Mm. The restaurant. The restaurant was was funny. Like I I don't know what to say about that. And then the bank. Then they were at the bank yeah. for right. Wasn't that the fourth right bank? Mm-hmm. Sometimes just like oh my gosh. Yep. And then, and the restaurant was Lidiot. I know it's mm-hmm. Lidio. But. Yeah. Lidio. Ah, ah. Uh, oh my gosh. It's jokes like that that the first time but they didn't beat you over the head with Lidio five or six right. times, mm-hmm. you probably missed the whole joke. Yeah. Right. First time you're like, Lidio, okay. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, what is it? Chevy Chase's character when he's waiting in line at the at the restaurant. He's like, uh, your, your usual table, Mr. Christopher. No, I'd like a good one this time. I'm sorry. That is impossible. Uh, part of the new cruelty. I'm afraid so. As, oh, as if the new cruelty is like a an artistic or, or food culinary movement. Right. Yeah. Ah, part of the new cruelty. I see. Okay. And then the food, too. There was some pretty interesting food there. Or did they, or I'm trying to, I'm getting my, I'm getting my movies mixed up. I'm thinking, of, I think I think of something else. Cause they didn't bring any food out and it was like weird or anything. Did they, or. No, that was Temple of Doom. Yeah, that was Temple <laughs> of Doom. That's right. Um, I do. One, one of the parts that I do get, I do get a little bit of a laugh out of is uh, that initial when they're, when they're sitting around having either brunch or lunch or whatever it is, whatever they're doing. Um, <laughs> they're going around the table. Oh, uh, Sheila has been studying the art of conversation. Oh, you're taking a course in conversation? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, total sidetrack, but we're talking about food. Shocking, I know. Um, this will be a podcast, so those of you listening to it years from now, I will I apologize now. Um, there is a show on right now, and, and in two years, it'll probably be in season five, and you'll be able to catch up. On CNN of all places, I know. Stanley Tucci's Discovering Billy. Really? He goes, is the plan is to hit all 20 regions and to talk about food. And it's an hour in each region. First season has six episodes. Only two took place during COVID. So it was all filmed in 2019 before 
Things okay. got weird. Wow. Really? I'm, I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Fulfilled all at the same time. He's a very interesting man. Um, I'll have to. But, ch- oh, man. In Italy. So I'll have good. to check that out, man. On CNN. Who, yeah. Whatever. You know, it's funny because uh, <clears throat> we, I have my cousin uh, is from Rome and they and um, he uh, he's got some opinions on what good Italian food and what is not as good, you know, and it's. There's it's some like fun stuff in the north and the south and yeah, the tomato you, sauce and the not tomato sauce and the pasta versus the rice and the polenta and all right. Heartier dishes versus more oh. refined versus don't even get them started on the pizza thing. I remember oh. we, <laughs> I, I don't want to mention versus Milan. And, oh. Oh. oh, and I remember we were going to this spot and I don't want to mention like names and locations. Cause I don't want anyone to get all up in arms and all that. But I remember it was like this, where we were going was famous for the number of Italian restaurants. And he summed it all up. He's like, up, oh, there's only one you really need to go to. And it's this one, right. Of all these other Italian restaurants, because that was the Italian food that was, you know, closest to where he grew up. And it's, it's interesting. You know, it's in, it's funny. You mentioned, you mentioned Italy and, and talking about Europe, um, very, very quickly before I get to what I was going to say, um, we've been watching the first couple of episodes of men in kilts, which is mm-hmm. uh, a couple of the actors from the outlander show. Oh, cool. And they're driving around Scotland. And the first episode was on food. The second episode was on sports. And I, it's just been a lot of fun to watch. And, and, uh, yeah. And, and I knew this, but not to this extent, like how big seafood is in Scotland and how like mm. the lobsters and oysters and things like that are actually exported around the world. Um, and it, no, it was, it was just, it was a lot of fun to watch. And they ended up doing a, uh, they ended up doing like a, a seafood curry that they mm-hmm. actually, they, they had like this grill out on the beach and they were preparing it out there. And I'm just like that you've just, you've combined three of my favorite things, Scotland, <laughs> seafood and curry. There it is. This is, this is amazing. This is heaven. Check, check, check. Mm-hmm. Um, the point I want to make when you, when you were talking about Europe is there are times where having lived over in Europe for a little bit, like you go to these places and, and some of the places and some of the buildings that you see are like a thousand years old. And, you know, we've, and, and Sharon and I have commented before, we're like, you know, compared to that stuff, America is a pretty young country. Like you're, you're looking at it like, Hey, this building is like 200 years old or 300 years old. And like, that's nothing compared to, you know, some of the stuff over in Europe and these other countries. I did like that line where he's showing her around the city and he's like, and some of these buildings are over 20 years old. Yeah. Uh, wasn't that awesome? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did. I thought about that whole Stanley Tucci thing and I was like, Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that is. That's, that's funny. It is amazing. You know, whenever people come in from out of town or whenever it's always like, Oh, we got to take you to this restaurant or, Oh, we got to take you to the, do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that's, Hey, they've just opened up a new, you know? And so, so much of our, it, it well, and this is the whole big discussion in and around the pandemic. It'll be interesting when that lifts because like the restaurants and food and all that kind of stuff, it's just, and has it always been that way? I mean, food has always been a part of the culture, but like, you know, like when obviously depression, when my grandparents were growing up, but I mean the depression, but it's like, was going out and checking out different restaurants or, Oh, this new such and such restaurant opened up. We've got to go. Do you know what I'm saying? Or was it like, Hey, here's the local restaurant that we all go to. Mm-hmm. And that's, 
it, it just seems like at least before COVID, and I'm hoping that that's going to be one of those things that we pick up back up with as a culture, but that, that food and checking out restaurants and that's, that's like a big part of it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like a mm-hmm. big part of getting to know a culture, I think. So, yeah, no, agreed. Mm. <laughs> uh, question a question about the characters in this movie and some of this i mean obviously some of this this it's a comedy it's a it's a satire it's it's to a certain degree it's a little absurd uh with the way things play out um did you like how the characters were portrayed in this you know thinking about harris himself uh his girlfriend trudy sandy um, these different characters, I, I will say the character of Sandy was a lot of fun. And I think, I don't remember if we said this before we started recording or not, but I think one of you said like, man, Sarah Jessica Parker was hilarious and awesome in this movie. Um, and I didn't realize I hadn't quite remembered this, but I was reading up something after having watched it again. And she even makes a comment. She's like, I, I kind of credit this movie with being my breakout role because before this, I was always somebody's like nerdy little sister in a movie. Like nobody ever cast me for, you know, the, the attractive character at all. Like I never got cast for that kind of stuff. And then I got cast for that in this movie. And she's like, that kind of changed like the trajectory of my whole career. And what was funny was the thing that she said was, she said, I, I really respected Steve Martin. And when I knew that I had an, I knew I had an audition for this movie, I was, I wanted to go into it cause I went and watched every single one of his movies up to that point. And I commented, I commented to myself, she said that he brings, he brings like such a physicality to his comedy. Like there's always something physical related to his comedy. And she's like, that's what I want to do. Like, I don't know how many other young girls are going to go into this trying to like emulate the Steve Martin physicality, but that's what I want to do. So apparently she went into the audition, like, you know, just as hyper as she is in the rest of the movie. And that's what kind of got her the part was Steve Martin was like, nobody else has come in here, like bouncing off the wall like this. And this is perfect. Like, this is exactly what I'm looking for, for this part. And, uh, <laughs> and I guess even the director, um, I read somewhere that the director said really his only, uh, direction for Sarah Jessica Parker was Sarah, we're about to start rolling, start bouncing. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. Okay. Yeah. Cause she did not stop moving. No, no. I'm going to go time. spin. Yeah. Is spinning. Okay. On this beach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so what do, you, what do you think of the characters? How Did you like how the characters were portrayed in this? Did anyone else feel like... <laughs> this is one of those things that I didn't quite pick up as I was watching it, but sort of after the fact. Did anyone else feel like each character was almost supposed to be one part of a personality? Like, this is... Sarah Jessica Parker is the fun and the energy, and... Um, Trudy is the judginess, and it feels like each people were designed as one-dimensional characters almost in order to highlight the hypocrisy of LA in general. Bring it out a little bit. You know, sometimes you hear about movies being written where three characters are, you know, in superego and ego, you know, that sort of thing. I feel like each one of these characters was written... I don't want to say one dimensional because it makes them sound dull and that it's far, far from it. But I feel like they each have a purpose in the story. The more I process it, they each have a 
there, Jessica Parker. It's supposed to illustrate fun, the, the joy of youth almost, and and Trudy, the jaded, dodgy, whatever that, that word is. Um, and I haven't been able to narrow down everybody's thing in words yet. The more I think about the movie, the more I feel like each one has a thing. Sarah was kind of the, the British reporter. She's kind of like a an almost like a straightforward innocence. There it is. Yeah. Yes. Like an earnestness. Yeah. She might be her and Steve Martin, uh, her and Harris might be the more f- fleshed out, full fledged people, but mm-hmm. it's because they're supposed to be. Yeah. And maybe the other people are supposed to be reflecting their stuff back at them. I I totally agree with you. I did not think of it that way. But what I was going to say was that each character seemed so incredibly unique and was portraying a different um, kind of a, a very unique personality. That's as far as I got. But I think, mm, oh, you're okay. but no, but you're um, <clears throat> what you just said was a lot more descriptive and in depth in terms of breaking it down, kind of what was happening. So I don't. Yeah, I, I mean that. Yeah, what you said, like plus one or ditto, as they said in uh, in uh, Ghost, because um, uh, yeah, that that was it. Like each character was just unique and a different, you know, a, a different dimensions. The wrong word. We do too many like multiverse things on here. They were like each. Per- I, okay, I'm just gonna stop talking because you were exactly right. Yeah, each character was 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 just very unique i did it one of the other things i liked it was the <laughs> he goes to the atm machine hi my name is bob i'll be your robber yeah that was good <laughs> yeah and it's like some of those moments were so much if you if you literally if you blink you're gonna miss it well and i thought he said my name is Bob. I'm going to be your Robert. And I was like, okay, that's funny. <laughs> that works too. Either way, it was even funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Um, we, we did mention earlier about the music. Um, you know, that we said there's a lot of Enya in this. There's a lot mm-hmm. of, there's a lot of different styles of music in this. You, of course you have bagpipes. Uh, you got classical music. You've got uh, Pat, you did, you, you popped in the chat here that it was uh, somewhere beyond the sea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it was sung in French. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That theme comes back later. Mm-hmm. Yes. Somewhere beyond the sea. Yeah. Back a few times, sort of in the background. Yeah. Just yeah. To set up some scenes and tie it all. So you do, you, and, do you feel like the music. On it. Yeah. Do you feel like the music supported the mood of the movie or were there times that it might have been distracting? A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah, excellent. To the first, to the, to yeah. the support, yeah, not was, the distracting. They spent a lot of time on the music, I mm-hmm. have a feeling, because it just worked. Yeah. Yeah. Or trying to shoehorn in anything fancy or, you know, make a soundtrack, for mm-hmm. lack of a better way to say it. Right. They just, they said, okay, this scene makes me feel like this. Mm-hmm. Play yeah. that song. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it's it's like it, you know, and the references to Shakespeare so often is like so much of Shakespeare is like mixing the magical and the ethereal with the like down in the dirt, real life stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's the music seemed to do that too. Like you had when you brought in Enya, it was the oh, it's it's very dreamlike. It's it's calming. It's beautiful, or it's meant to be calming and beautiful, and um, you know, and then you mix it in with the other you know the other different types of movies and. 
or uh, music. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it was, um, I, I thought the whole thing came together to make, make a really entertaining story, you know? Well, I've got a couple of questions for us before we get into our three questions. Um, I'm, I'm going to add these in maybe for every movie that we talk about uh, from here questions on out. before the three questions. The questions Ooh. before the three questions. Yes. Oh, wow. These are, these are two questions with a twist of lemon. <laughs> Or okay. These are hors d'oeuvre questions. Yes, these are hors d'oeuvre questions. Yes. I love hors d'oeuvres. These are the brunch questions. Mm, I love brunch. a good brunch. Oh my gosh. There we go. Talk about things I miss from <laughs> before times. Yeah. Brunch. Uh, so these questions, and, and I kind of, I, I stole these from a couple of different spots, um, but this kind of gets at the heart of our, does it hold up 30 years later that we kind of ask ourselves sometimes when it comes to these movies? Um, so, Two questions to try to get at that. If this movie was being released in theaters today, what would be the reason you would go to see it? Steve Martin. Martin. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. There it is. Very even well done. With the, <laughs> even with the Zoom lag, we had like I can't get my band students to give it like play on you know. <laughs> oh man. There you go. Okay. I think that's, that would, that'd be my answer too. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and then uh, second question, would you buy this movie on, so not just if it's on a streaming service, would you actually go out and buy a copy of this movie? Digital, Blu-ray, DVD? Would you, would you spend the money? Cause sometimes that's a bit of a decision. You know, if I'm looking at a movie, I'm like, well, what causes me, I've got it available on streaming so I can watch it whenever, or I could go check it out from the library for free. There are certain movies I'm like, I need to own this movie. Would you buy this movie? Yeah, I would. Okay. Like, I could keep watching this movie. Like, it's like eating olives or eating, like, uh, uh, eating peanuts. You know, like, you can't stop eating peanuts, and it tastes really good. That's like this movie. Like, it just, it's, uh, so, yeah, I'd buy it. I'm not sure. It, I, I liked it, it and I'll watch it again someday, but I don't know if it, I don't know if it's shelf space worthy, if mm-hmm. that means anything. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at my uh, Blu-ray DVD 4K shelving over here and I don't have any more shelf space. Well, so problem. this would be, you gotta get it, on that. I, I know this, this would be one that like something else would have to go if I was going to, if I was going to do that, I, I might be the same as Bo. Like I really enjoyed the movie. I really do like the movie, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it would be one that I would actually buy the physical copy of the disc. I think it'd yeah. be one that if I knew it was available streaming somewhere, you know, I'd be like, ah, all right, it's, it's always available there. Um, but I'm not sure it would be one for me. I don't know if that it hits that level. I, I really enjoy it, but I don't know if it hits that level for me that I would actually buy a copy of it. I, and it's funny because that question comes at such a weird time for me. I mean, I still have my 19 year old DVD player Mm -hmm. and DVDs and I need to get a Blu-ray player. And now I know there's like, you know, 14 K. Yeah. Just skip to the five K now. Okay. Just get five. But then I need the five K TV. What's five K. Then you run and that's what powers it. Ah, well that, yeah. Um, 
so that hits. So, and now see, now that's got me thinking, like, it's interesting when you look at my movie collection, like the movies that I get, and it's a mix of these are the greatest movies ever. I need them and impulse buys that I was just passing by and, you know, saw and, Oh, I need this, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm looking at my, my movie collection. I've got them like off to the side over here and, and mine, the ones that are, that are the ones I bought. I mean, they're primarily, actually a lot of them are action movies. A lot Mm -hmm. of them are like the sci-fi, they're the superhero. It's the, it's all the comic book movies. Um, It's the alien movies. It's the Batman movies, Back to the Future, Terminator, Braveheart, Blazing Saddles, Blues Brothers. I'm just looking at the bees right now. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure. I always think about that. I always think about like what's, what hits the, cause that's one thing, especially at Christmas time, that seems to be the one thing that like for some family members, they're like, Oh, John loves movies. We'll get him a, we'll get him a DVD or a Blu-ray. Um, you know, if, or if they're asking me like, what do you want for Christmas? I'm like, Ooh, now is the time. So maybe put some movies on the old Christmas list. And that's what um, I do. Yeah. Cause, cause otherwise yeah. I wouldn't necessarily buy some of the stuff for myself, but I would really love to have them. And yeah. you know, that's how I ended up getting the, the, the complete uh, Rocky movie set on Blu-ray. That's how I got mm-hmm. the um, mm-hmm. the Planet of the Apes trilogy on Blu-ray. Um, you know, uh, all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I think I think it just it just doesn't quite hit. It's not like a big action movie that I feel like I, I want to have that physical copy so that I can just watch it anytime, night or day, if it happened to disappear from streaming. Um I think it would be one that it would, if I wanted to watch it, I could be like, all right, well, I'll interlibrary loan it from the library and I can wait the three or four days for it to come in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I don't know that it hits for me quite the level of if I needed to watch it at the drop of a hat, I know there's a copy down here that I can go grab. Got it. But if it's on, I'm not going to turn it off. Yeah. Completely random question, not part of our three questions. Uh, would you gentlemen ever feel confident enough to wear wear a pair of white pants? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> I have. Have you? There you go. But I think I probably yeah. spilled stuff on them. Well, see, that's I am my father's Is, son, and my father always made. I don't know if he did this on purpose or if it just was always dumb luck. He always wear some type of he always wear some type of a white t shirt whenever we were having pasta. Yeah. And every single white T-shirt he had must have had some kind of pasta stain on it because it happened. It was a running gag in the family. Like, did yeah. you know we were having spaghetti tonight? Was, no. Yeah. I have so yeah. the same problem. Yeah. Late so, night. I'm not sure I would do the white pants. Mm-mm. That was just a random question. Hmm. All right. Uh, from random questions to three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, question number one. What is your favorite movie that showcases locations around a a specific city? 
So you're watching the movie and you're like, boom, that's Chicago. Or, ooh, I know exactly where that is. That is Los Angeles. That's New York City. What is your favorite movie that really kind of uses a, a city, as we've kind of said sometimes before, almost as if it's a character in the movie? I think I've, I've used this movie to answer just about 100 to 200 of the last three questions, but I'm going to say heat. And I, and I mean, it, it's not that I know LA that well, but I mean that I think if I remember right, that movie was filmed entirely on location, entirely, you know, out in quote unquote real places. So I think I'd have to say, I think I'd have to say uh, uh, heat. I mean, the easy one, well, I've got some honorable mentions, but I'll let you guys throw your stuff out there first. I don't want to, I don't want to hog. I don't know. For me, I the the two that I wrote down, um, one is The Dark Knight. Like I think any of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, even, yeah. even though it's Gotham City, quote unquote Gotham City in the movies, it's mm-hmm. Chicago. And you know, mm-hmm. you if you are from Chicago or if you spend any amount of time in Chicago and you know the locations, you're watching that movie and you're like, that is that's that is Lower Wacker, or mm-hmm. that is LaSalle, or that is you know you you know it just. The moment you see it, you know it. Um, so that one for me, I think also Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Now, I think I mentioned that one before that I'm like, I, even before I ever set foot in Chicago, I remember watching that movie and be like, that's a cool city. Like yeah. going to the baseball game, going to all these, going to the museum, all this other stuff. Like, that's really cool. I, I like this. I like this. I know nothing about Chicago, but I think I had a friend in eighth grade when I lived in Missouri and I think he was from Chicago. And the only things I knew about Chicago was that he was from Chicago. And when I was a kid, I had a Michael Jordan poster up on my wall and I knew he was from Chicago. And like, other than that, I, I know nothing about the actual city itself, but this movie is fun. So mm-hmm. I, for me, I, I'd say I, I'd do a tie between The Dark Knight and Ferris Bueller. All right. Which would be an amazing mashup movie if they put them both together in the same thing. Uh, yes. Yes. The Dark Knight's Day Off. <laughs> they drive the Batmobile backwards. Yeah. <sighs> oh, what about you? So I, I thought about Ferris Bueller. Um, I thought about The Fugitive. I think uh, there's a lot of the geography of Chicago that shows up in that. But a lot of river stuff um, shows up in The Fugitive. <laughs> Then I got to thinking more outside of Chicago and I came up with I hard with a vengeance. <laughs> oh, look who's here. Um, it just it used New York in an interesting way um, because of the roads and the trucks driving through tunnels and bridges mm-hmm. and rivers. and things. Mm-hmm. Um, That was it. John and I are not done watching that one yet. It's taken like five sittings <sighs> and we just have not finished. We started it late one night. Like that's our that's our weird thing with the Die Hard movies is it was it was winter break and he wanted and I was like I got to introduce you to this movie you're old enough now we're gonna watch Die Hard he's like all right like it's a great Christmas <laughs> movie we, so we got to watch this so we did over winter break we watched it we stayed up late we finished it I want to say it finished at around twelve thirty close to one o'clock in the morning and he's like wait I saw you I saw you take this out of like a box set. Is there another one? <laughs> yes, there is a Die Hard 2. He's like, I'm not tired. Can we start it? Like, 
okay. <sighs> so we started Die Hard 2, and I think we got maybe an hour into that one, and I started falling asleep. I'm like, buddy, I, I want to watch this with you, um, but I'm kind of, I'm fading fast here. So can we start this again some other time? He's like, yeah, that's fine. So we got about halfway through the movie. And then we ended up finishing it later on. So we finished it, stayed up late one night. We finished that. And he's like, weren't there more than two movies in that box set? <laughs> I was like, yes. It's like, can we watch the other one? It's like, sure. So we did the exact same thing. We got about a third of the way through Die Hard with a Vengeance. And it was mm -hmm. the same thing. I was like, okay, I'm falling asleep again. We, we got to stop this. We'll finish it some other time. And then a couple of different times here and there, like if I'm, if I'm taking him somewhere and uh, you know, we're, we're eating in the car or whatever, before we picked up some food and we're eating in the car, you know, sitting in the parking lot, eating in the car before I, I take him wherever he's going, we'll pop it on my phone for a little bit. And so we are not finished yet, but we're like, we're so cool. close to finishing Die Hard with a Vengeance. And uh, that is, that is probably, and I think I've mentioned this before when we did Die Hard, like that's Die Hard with a Vengeance is, I, I have a hard time choosing between Die Hard and Die Hard with a Vengeance. Cause I just, it's, it's very good. I really, I really yeah. like that movie. That's the, cool. The copness of it yeah. is fun. Yes. Yeah. Well, because I mean, I think we said that before when we when we covered the movies when we did um, Die Hard was Die Hard of the Vengeance was supposed to have been a Lethal Weapon movie, mm -hmm. and then they took it mm -hmm. and it wasn't going to get produced as a legal, Lethal Weapon movie, so they just took it. They're like, all right, we'll make it a Die Hard movie. Yeah, yeah you can feel that. Yeah. All right. Question two: What is your favorite Shakespeare play? I, I'm just going to throw in two quick honorable mentions oh, yeah, for that yeah, yeah, favorite location real quick. It. I would just say the two chase scenes, Blues Brothers and mm. Bullet. Yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, enough said about those, you know, racing those cars through the city streets like mm -hmm. that. And I think those chase scenes were unique among chase scenes. If that's the right, I, I, unless there's something I'm thinking about or not thinking about, but they really showed San Francisco, they really showed Chicago <clears throat> in those chase scenes, as opposed to it just being, you know, cars driving fast and you really can't see what you're looking at. So I'm, I'm glad you said Blues Brothers. I totally had I blanked out on Blues Brothers. I would have included that, too, because I I've seen that movie since, oh, yeah. I, since yeah. I was way too little to ever have seen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Blues Brothers. Oh, yeah. Excuse me. Do you have a Miss Piggy? As a kid, I thought one day that might be totally acceptable that I would drive a car through a shopping mall. But oh, of course, alas, it is it is not to have been mm -hmm. yet. Well, and, and I'll say they showed off the streets of Chicago until they got to the bridge and the ramps and all that kind of stuff. Then that was Milwaukee, you yeah. know, which was cool in and of itself that they right. were showing off, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because back then, everyone still thought Milwaukee was going to eventually just get sucked into Chicago. Yes. There it is. We got, it's funny you say that when I was living in Missouri, the, for the year that I was living in Missouri in eighth grade, that was one of the things that I remember because, because my, my dad, the year that we lived in, in Missouri, my dad had gotten a job in Chicago. And so he had kind of gotten it halfway through the school year. And he's like, I don't want you, we've moved around enough in the last year. I don't want you guys moving out of school. So stay here, finish your eighth grade school year. And my sister and my brother finished their, finished their school years. And then you guys will come up to Chicago. So he was living in Chicago for about, I'd say maybe at least eight months while we were mm -hmm. still back in Missouri, finishing up school. And that's one, one of the things I remember about that is that in our, is it our social studies class? 
I remember in our social studies class, the teacher making a point of saying, well, yeah, there are these, um, you know, you could almost call them a, a megalopolis. Like it's bigger than just one city. It's a cluster of cities that are so close that they make these massive metropolitan areas. And you've got like Los Angeles on the West Coast. You've got New York on the East Coast. And you've got Chicago and Milwaukee right in the center of the country. And I'm like, really? And the, and the teacher was like, yeah, it's really from Chicago to Milwaukee. It's really just one massive city in that whole area. And I was like, whoa, that's what we're moving to? Oh, that's going to be weird. And I remember he had some map that he showed us where it was like this giant red blob of just how it was one big city that was Chicago and Milwaukee. So I had this whole <laughs> moving up here. I had this whole thing of like, wow, they're just they're like right next to each other. And then yeah. we moved up here. I'm like, mm, no, 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 that goes into that book. Uh, Lies My Teacher Told Me. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. All yes. right. Question number two. What is your favorite Shakespeare play? This is hard, man. Yeah. It might be an easy one for me. I'm going to go Othello. Okay. I like Othello. It's a good, uh, it's good Shakespeare. It's got a, it's got it a, a, an amazing villain. Iago is like one of the greatest villains ever. And just the whole, the whole psychology of the whole thing, the whole, just the way as a villain that he twists people. It's just, I don't know, just the way it's written, just Shakespeare did an amazing job with that one. So that one's, that one's probably my favorite. I got to go Othello. And if anybody wants to see a movie version of it that is also amazing, the Lawrence Fishburne one. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Kenneth Branagh plays Iago. Lawrence Fishburne plays Othello. It's absolutely wonderful. Shakespeare with Kenneth Branagh in it is usually pretty darn good. You're going to be totally fine. You're in good hands. Hmm. What about you guys? Patrick, uh, I don't know Shakespeare as much as I should. I'm just going to preface it that I've, you know, Julius Caesar, I like a whole lot. Um, I remembered enjoying Hamlet, but it's been forever since I've seen slash watched slash read it. Um, so, you know, Romeo and Juliet also very, very good. Um, yeah, I think Julius Caesar was my favorite. I do enjoy the Scottish play as well. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Julius Caesar. That's that's what I got. I, I basically bet my wife because of Julius Caesar. Well, there you go. Hey, Caesar. During uh, during study hall, she needed help with with Julius Caesar, and I was like, <laughs> "Well, luckily for you, I just moved over from England, so I basically have it from the source." There it is. <laughs> Look at you, man. Not Look only can I help you with Julius Caesar, I could probably do it in, in, in like whatever is left of my British accent. Nice. Here, children. <laughs> John Reed with the power move. Careful. This is how mommy and daddy met. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. You okay there, Bo? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> now, if, you, if you want to tie your favorite Shakespeare play into food, we could talk about um, uh, Titus Andronicus. We could. Mm -hmm. We could. Yeah. Pat, do you know that one? I don't know Titus Andronicus. To, to get back at the, uh, so the, 
Titus to get back at the uh, character that has wronged him. Uh, he ends up murdering her children and baking oh. them into pies and then feeding them oh. to her. Oh, jeez. So. Oh. Ain't no wow. fun. <laughs> that's, that's how they rolled back then. So, I mean, when I talk about food and Shakespeare, then... Yes, well, sir. I did want to talk about food and Shakespeare. But do I still? Mm. Um, I, I've always been partial to Midsummer Night's Dream and Much Ado About Nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Kenneth Branagh. Mm-hmm. Um, Midsummer Night's Dream also stars Ben uh, Pine mm-hmm. and the aforementioned Stanley Tucci. Mm-hmm. Mm. As uh, does he play Puck? He does. Yeah. And Puck, as my as my tastes age like a fine wine, um, there it is. Puck may have become one of my favorite Shakespeare characters. Okay, um, I don't I don't think he would have been back in high school, um, but there's a, a wise man there. Uh, if we could if we could jump back just a second to uh, Soap Dish, uh, <laughs> did, don't you mean Calvin Klein? I do. Okay. Do. Okay. I told the guys. It's written I in his underwear. Yeah. Yeah. I told the guys on the uh, the Shirley podcast we were recording something else, and um, what did it? They accidentally called me. Uh, you know what? Actually, uh, Jason he was introducing me on it, and I think he accidentally called me because we were, we were talking about Superman stuff, and uh, he accidentally introduced me as John Reeves. <laughs> oh, there there it is. is. And I was and I was like, no, I'll take it. Yes. <laughs> I will take it. When someone asks mm-hmm. if you're a god, mm-hmm. you say yes. yes. When someone asks if you're related to Christopher Reeve, you say yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. Yes. Um, yeah, no. So then I told them about, yeah, we just recorded Soap Dish. And I apparently like three or four times, I kept calling him Calvin Klein. And and, and ultimately, Bo was like, John, you mean Kevin Klein? <laughs> uh, yes, that is exactly what I meant. I have no clue what I'm saying. That is your name, isn't it? It's written all over your underwear. All over your underwear. (laughs) (laughs) All right, question number three. If you worked at a TV news station, what position would you prefer? Reporter, anchor, meteorologist, sports, traffic copter? I didn't include that one in the list. You could do that one, too. Done. Traffic copter? That's what you'd do? Mm, Okay. Yeah. We got a uh, water buffalo jackknife up there. It's uh, <laughs> there not a very is. pretty picture. There's I knew it was coming. That's right, man. There's, there's the there's setup. horns everywhere. <laughs> Going to happen? Maybe drop a little napalm there. Try to cook him down. Maybe a little barbecue. Love the smell of napalm in the morning. Uh, I would choose. I would choose reporter. Mm-hmm. Like that was when I was when I was in school for journalism before moving over to education. That was my thing. Like I wanted to be a reporter. I wanted to be. I wanted to be out there. I wanted to be interviewing people. I. I could do the job where you sit at the desk and you read the teleprompter, but I don't know. That's for me. I I think I'd want to be one of the reporters. Now we do always say when we're watching the news and we have, there are the reporters that are like on location when there's a blizzard outside or something ridiculous is going on. Sharon and I always comment. We're like, would you let the guy back in the studio? Yeah, I know. Like there's not actually anything. So he's reporting from the scene is there anything happening at the scene right now? No, this happened like six hours ago or they're reporting from the school, from outside the school. And it's a late night school board meeting. Is he inside? Are there people yeah. around? No. And let the guy get back in the truck or let him drive back to the studio. He doesn't have to be out in the snow and the sleet right. and the volcanic right. ash that's coming down around him. 
that's the only thing about being the reporter is that I would not want to do. Maybe he likes it. Maybe. That's what we always say. We're like, I really hope that they enjoy being outside all the time. What would you gentlemen choose? What, <laughs> what position within the newsroom would you choose? Uh, well, I'm like I said, you, if you're offering traffic copter, okay. uh, I'll take that as long right. as I get to be the pilot. Do I get to be the pilot? Sure. All right. You can that's, be the, you can be the pilot and the reporter. I'll do that. Okay. I'll do that. Well, you know what I always say? I never want to be a weather forecaster. I want it to be a lumberjack. A lumberjack. <laughs> if I had to be in a newsroom, I'd probably be the fourth guy. Okay. Yeah, you get to go to games once in a while. You get to talk about something fun. And really, the sports guy isn't on that long because they keep taking time away from the sports guy for weather and traffic. So, right. You know. Yeah, exactly. Just do your thing and go. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our three questions. That's also going to do it for L.A. Story. Um, and I don't think I mentioned this from the onset. Uh, gentlemen, this is our 350th episode. Whoa. Happy 350, boys. Happy, happy 350. So couldn't Look have happened you, to a nicer a movie. What'd you say? I said couldn't have happened to a nicer movie. Yes, exactly. No. Uh, but Great yeah, we're going to have, uh, so we weren't doing anything special necessarily for 350, but for 400, we got some ideas. We got some ideas in the back pocket. The one idea that I did like was re-recording that original first episode that died. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. of the mariachi band. Yeah. How many times do you get to say that? <laughs> Our first podcast was ruined by mariachi music and chips. Mm -hmm. chips. It all comes back to food. You know what? That's, I think it's because we recorded the first episode in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. We've been locked into food ever since then. Yes. Yeah, that's and fine. And food tastes good. Oh, that's true, too. There's nothing wrong with that. All right. Well. Head on over to 30podcast.com if you want to find more of our episodes at 30podcast on social media. If you want to leave us a voicemail, that's a great way to you know get a message to us and we can play it on the show and respond to it. Um, you can do that over at our website at 30podcast.com. There is a leave a voicemail button that's there. Uh, don't forget to check out our sponsor and the rest of the shows in the Scene Stealers podcast network by heading over to www.scenestealersglobal.com. Um, and then our next episode's coming up. We finish off our California Dreams Month with career opportunities. And then May is our Crime Doesn't Pay Month. We got Boys in the Hood, Bugsy, The French Connection is our May Patreon episode, The Last Boy Scout, and Point Break. June is Shots Fired, Ricochet, JFK, Guns of the Navarone is our June Patreon, uh, Naked Gun Two and a Half, Hot Shots and Toy Soldiers, and then July is our Across the Pond Month, and in our Across the Pond Month, we have King Ralph, The Commitments, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and Hook, uh, and our July Patreon is going to be a book review, if you will, of the Heir to the Empire Thrawn trilogy from 1991. So, all good stuff coming. Yes. All yes. good stuff. All right. Bo, Pat, thank you as always for being here with me. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Everybody, we thank you for being here. Thank you. I, we, we've always enjoyed every single time we do this. We do it for fun, but we just enjoy so much getting to interact with all of you, too. So um, if you love L.A. Story, even if you don't love L.A. Story, we'd love to hear from you. So reach out to us. Let us know what you're thinking, too. And uh, we'd, we'd be happy to reply back on a future show. So in the meantime, however, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies and we'll see you back here next time for Career Opportunities. <laughs>